0: You're listening to Allegedly NYC. Allegedly. Hello and welcome to another episode of Allegedly NYC. I'm Nomi Ruiz. I'm Eva San Hurho and we are coming to you remotely from our quarantine pads yes shit's still going <laughs> girl
1: shit's still going like this is the longest we have not seen each other
0: <laughs> thank god for technology cause this would be a problem for me
1: girl honestly we I, honestly I, I haven't had a mimosa since I last saw you
0: I don't know if I believe that
1: no no cause I've only been drinking wine <laughs> That's more like it.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. Girl, the other... Day, so, the other day, I finally left the house, finally, because I needed to move my body, because I was just like...
1: You have to move your body.
0: I need to move my body. So, I got a city bike. Girl, picture me that.
1: I, I can't... It's like... Me pictures... that I me mean, picturing Kermit the Frog riding bicycle with the legs. <laughs> that legs. was basically me.
0: <laughs> yeah. I got a city bike, and I rode across the Williamsburg Bridge. But I was shocked at, at how packed... It girl. was, and how m- many people were picnicking in parks and like girl. all around
1: there was, I mean, I'm like, shouldn't her just work? I was confused myself. I, I actually took a little walk myself and I walked by, you know, I live in Bushwick. So I walked by Maria Hernandez Park and normally that bitch has been closed. She's been closed and homegirl was open. I was like, say word. I was like, Someone this is crazy. Clipped, clipped the lock. <laughs> I was like, "What happened?" Um, so I would only, I, so I walked through because I actually need to go to. I was trying to get to Wilson, so I was like, "Oh, this is crazy." So I walked through. I'm girl. I have the whole shit on, obviously. Yeah. But all these people are literally rollerblading, like Nancy Kerrigan, in the middle of the park, like like with no mask, no shit, nothing on. All the brown people. I had are a mask like, and glasses, at least. Girl, I'm all oh, the whole shit, right? So I'm, but Nancy Kerrigan is 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 literally roller skating in the middle of the park Pure right riding. yeah and then and then you have like you know the skaters they 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 left the house too so there was like obviously the hot little skaters nancy kerrigan and then everyone's sitting and, and the benches, social distancing sitting so i thought it was like all right at least there's social distancing sitting right. but the people that are sitting are wearing the brown people are wearing masks though so all are like sorry the white people weren't <laughs>
0: I mean, the majority that we see out wearing, there. Just, yeah, Nancy, Nancy
1: just Kerrigan no was shame. not wearing a mask.
0: No <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> oh, my God. Oh, well, there's, you know, but the tea's still brewing, honey. Someone's still brewing tea. Oh. Someone is still brewing tea. I have a kettle for you, girl.
1: Well, you know what? I did have the Corona, so I need a little tea. <laughs> yeah,
0: with ginger and tequila.
1: Oh, I did it
0: all. So last week in Canarsie, there were reports Ooh. of a large gathering. Canarsie. Brooklyn. Interesting. Yeah, I know. When officers arrived, they found a large crowd gathered inside a shop filming a rap video for a rapper named Kelly King (laughs) Kelly. (laughs) Fuck. (laughs) And they were planning on having an after party at this space also.
1: (laughs) i about to root for you. (laughs) Girl. I was rooting for you. Why?
0: They they said they were not social distancing obviously although some were wearing masks I'm sure they were like matching with their outfits <laughs> clearly girl they
1: Why were they wearing masks before all this shit went down anyway
0: <laughs> nearly 100 the officers same. surrounded the store like I don't think that's necessary though not 100 down. officers like what are you all like shouldn't she be on the subway like right. yeah It's like now's the time for you to be in the subway to protect people. You know, usually they're there bullying black and brown boys. But now it's like, you know, it's kind of dangerous in the subway right now. You should be there protecting people instead of. I
1: mean, people are getting mugs, old school style, left and right in the subways. I mean, if this is a social gathering, I feel like there's maybe three cops at the most just to say, hey, guys, not cool. Not your moments. Uh, You should do a Zoom video. Shut it down. (laughs)
0: I love that people are getting robbed on the train. That makes me happy.
1: Girl, it's coming
0: back. <laughs> oh, we have another kettle.
1: Oh, a little kettle. This a
0: little, one. Ke- a little kettle one. <laughs> this one tastes like meat. Mm. So Shake Shack, you know, they applied for one of these, uh, business loans that they're giving out to every, to small, small independent businesses like Shake Shack. <laughs> Yeah, because they really need it. Right, because there are 189 spots in the U.S., you know, owned by celebrity restaurateur Danny Meyer. Yeah. They received a $10 million federal loan through the coronavirus Paycheck Protection Program.
1: They didn't need a fucking bailout. I'm sorry. Girl, and then meanwhile,
0: all these other small independent businesses couldn't apply for any of the loans because all the money was gone
1: of course it was right because shake jack who has a line across the block every other fucking day because there's a shake and, and then you have more multiple location, locations now because you right before that you were in a park in the middle of 23rd street you have location you, you're fine you don't need 10 million dollars girl
0: well you know what they so this is the tea they gave back the 10 million dollars federal loan
1: oh a little conscious with your fries okay okay <laughs> I love a little it's conscious nice. with my fries. I love a hamburger with a little conscious. <laughs> conscious. <laughs> conscious fries. Conscience fries. That's that's
0: gonna be their new on their menu, conscience fries. I'll uh-huh. have conscience fries with uh, animal style. What is it? Animal style? No, that's that's in and out. Sorry. Did in and did, did, did in and out get a loan? I'm
1: curious. Did they give it back? They shouldn't. They shouldn't get any loan. They're like everyone's always in the fucking in and out burger. Girl. I don't know what's happening in California. Did Chick fil A I mean, get, get a loan? Because Chick fil A is hella fucking
0: gay oh, like, yeah. homophobic.
1: Yeah, I yeah, I don't. Honestly, I would be that would be fucked up if they got a fucking bailout because they're fine. They're awesome. And I'm sure they're honestly probably open a lot of locations. Well, <clears throat> here's another kettle,
0: honey. So okay. landlords, you know, they're eager to get their checks from their tenants because they can't fucking figure out how to like be a part of this system and support people um so now they've resorted to illegal activities by oh. checking online if people have received their stimulus checks
1: hey illegal hey now i own the building <laughs> hey billion now i own the building sorry now i own the building <laughs> are you kidding me
0: no they've been you know so the irs launched a new portion of their website where you can log on and check the status of your stimulus check and if it's direct deposited or not or or it's mailed so they've been illegally hacking that to check on people's social security numbers and see if you got your check and i guess what what were they planning on doing they're gonna be like knocking on your door like i know you got your stimulus check bitch and you're like how do you know
1: in the end of the day that stimulus check is one check you're not gonna i You sure you want it? Fine, but you, you're gonna take it. You're not gonna see next month's rent. So, I mean, first of all, it's insanely illegal.
0: Insanely illegal.
1: And now, and now you're gonna go through a lawsuit. I hope. I wonder use these. I would use my stimulus check on a on a lawyer. Thank girl, you, girl.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and you know what else uh landlords have been doing? They've mm-hmm. been trading sex for rent. Well, not. Oh, I mean, they've been like you know. Basically, saying you can like m- probably like suck my dick and for the month. <laughs> I mean, I'm down. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that sounds like a good t- <laughs> no,
2: no girl, just kidding. I'm just kidding. Do I would that. never Boy, girl, do, not do that. Shit.
1: JK, that first of all, that's not uh, <laughs> this is sick. <laughs>
0: That is not 6 feet apart depending on who. It is. Oh my god. Well, I'm so excited for our, our guest today. We have the Brooklyn Borough President Eric Adams, who's also the mayoral candidate for 2021, coming on Allegedly to talk about how uh COVID-19 is disproportionately affecting black and brown communities. And yeah. what we can do to shift the, the dynamic of our society when this is over,
1: and I can't wait to pick his
0: brain. And I'm
1: excited. About I've I've been doing my research. Everything he says, I'm like, Amen. So I'm really excited. I'm really excited. Just yeah, everyone. You know, we we're convinced. I think we're gonna vote
0: for him. So I'm you know, gonna- tune in and see. And you make your choice.
1: Yeah, I'm ready to invite him to Thanksgiving to um, my mother's oh
0: so, <laughs> Alright, well we'll be right back with Brooklyn Borough President Eric Adams S <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to Allegedly NYC Allegedly
2: Hello. Hello.
0: Welcome. How are you?
2: Quite calling yourself. It's good to see both of you.
0: We're great. You Welcome so to Allegedly. Thank you so much for joining us today.
2: And
1: uh, you're very busy schedule. You're a busy man.
2: <laughs> uh, you know, just trying to, we call it grinding.
1: Yes, <laughs> the grind.
0: Well, we're the hustle
1: or... is real. The hustle
0: <laughs> is real. We're all New Yorkers <laughs> here. We're all New Yorkers here. I'm from Sunset Park, okay. Brooklyn. Ava, mm-hmm.
1: you're... I'm from the South Bronx.
2: Okay, nice, nice, nice. And you, where, very... where are you from? You're from... Brownsville, Brownsville and uh, South Jamaica, Queens. Awesome. Two locations. Tell me about that tattoo.
0: Oh, my hand? Yes. Oh, you spooked it. it this, is the... <laughs> <laughs> this is the name of my album. My first album, Lost and Lust. Mm, okay. So okay, one hand's okay. lost, one's in last Put them together. <laughs> like it, like it. Okay.
2: Well, they the, can't take them separately. They have to be put together.
0: This is true. So that's where you get me in the Mary true. <laughs> am, I
2: coming, am, I, am I coming over clear?
0: Yes. Yeah. How are we on your end? Okay. We're good. You look great. Well, so as New Yorkers, you know, we're the epicenter of what's going on right now, which is really like intense, especially for people who are like born and raised here. And today I wanted to talk a bit about how pandemics often expose these underlying issues within societies and how certain people are cared for while others are ignored, you know, and specifically now we're seeing that this is really disproportionately affecting black and brown communities. So I wanted to talk a bit about how we can use this moment to sort of like, you know, I feel like there's a magnifying glass on these issues right now, and it's a good time to like address them and hopefully shift towards a better society. Mm.
2: Uh, so uh, first, you know, and we should, we should, uh, you know, this whole situation is like an onion and we should peel back each layer to get a full understanding. If you don't, you'll miss it. Uh, The first thing we should uh, examine, in my belief, is that we're at a place right now in any major crisis, you are in the uh, search and the recovery phase. The search phase is that you're saying that there are still bodies alive and we need to find them. The recovery is that you're going to go in and get those dead bodies and just make sure they have a dignified burial. And I don't want to look at the coronavirus crises that we have shifted to the recovery phase. We're still in the search phase. We yeah. can still save bodies. We have to stop doing the things that we did, which is we have ignored black and brown people in 100%. this city. In this city, we divided the city into two categories. And when we did it, I said to my staff that's coded language that we're using right now. When we said essential employees go out, non-essential employees stay home, we basically said the essential employees, over 70% of the essential employees are black and brown people, and the overwhelming number of them are immigrants. So those who were non-essential, they were able to stay home and run the city through their laptops and listen to their children crawl around on the floor and they were able to be in safe zone. That in itself was wrong, but let's take it two more steps. The second step is that we told the essential employees that you are supposed to go do your job without any protective equipment, with the full understanding that people should be sheltered in place, you're not sheltered in place, with the full understanding that you should have a six foot difference. You're not doing a six foot difference. We're gonna send you out there to make sure our broccoli is on our shelves. When we call Uber Eats, you show up. When it's time to drive our trains and buses, you're gonna be there. So we're gonna have you folks run our city while we in our safe haven. Now here's the real dangerous part of this. You heard all the time, the reason we couldn't give PPE to nurses who are predominantly Black and Hispanic and Caribbean? Hello, we couldn't give we couldn't give uh, PPEs, personal protection equipment, uh, to all of the other essential employees because we didn't have enough. That is the biggest lie that we bought and we started keep talking about. There's a global supply out there, and we gave the city and state countless number of distributors that have that have reached out to us and said, Hey, these cats never called us back. You that know, I why am I able to get thousands upon thousands of donated personal protection equipment? I'm donating equipment to my hospitals. I'm donating to ACS employees, school crossing guards, uh, correction officials, uh, nurses. Why am I able to get it, and they're unable to purchase it on a larger, larger scale? The urgency was never us. There was never a plan. I want you to go back and look at the briefings from everyone. Mm -hmm. There was never a plan. You have to fight this virus on two fronts. You have to fight it as an intervention for those who have it. You have to intercede and assist them, and then you have to fight it as a prevention. There was never a prevention plan. We never went to communities that had large number of pre-existing conditions and say, here's our plan so that you won't, you'll be saved. We weren't testing in our communities. We were telling our mothers and grandmothers, okay, you know what? Go back home. They went back home and many of them died. We were not providing the food to them. We were not using telemedicine. So there was no plan for the 70 percenters. So that grocery store got coronavirus. He went home to an overcrowded apartment with his children and families and his grandmother, because remember folks are living three and four generations and he infected them. Then they went to the hospitals like in Queens where you have a high immigrant community. Sunset Park, high immigrant community. Mm -hmm. Uh, Central Brooklyn, high immigrant community. All of these essential employees infected their family members were not diagnosed so they can quarantine themselves because we were not testing. Remember, we put out an order that said we're only gonna test you if you admit if you admitted to the hospital and then we didn't admit you to the hospital, we sent you home. It was this was the greatest experiment on black and brown people since the Tuskegee experiment.
0: Yeah, this is so fucked up. It's really, really insane. And you recently wrote an op ed that I found super interesting and I thought it was a really good topic to talk about too like you know yeah all the essential workers that's like so uh, like evident and everyone's on the subway and stuff but you are also talking about how uh because you know people of color live in these food swamps and have less access to healthy foods that that would treat underlying illnesses in the first place and I thought that was such an interesting and important thing to also touch upon
2: right because you know i'm not coming from this space only in my professional capacity i'm coming from in my personal capacity you know um you know i had type 2 diabetes i lost my sight in my left eye. they told me i was going to be blind in a year had permanent nerve damage in my hands and feet uh they told i was going it was going to lead to amputation i had an ulcer high blood pressure high cholesterol i had the black and brown package and when i the doctors told me that eric we're going to give you medicine for your vision loss, medicine for your nerve damage, medicine for your ulcer, medicine for your blood pressure. They're going to give me all of these medicines. And it just didn't resonate with me. And so, I, you know, I said, hold on for a moment. They you know, wanted to put me on insulin right away because my diabetes was at the, the late stages. Wow. And I just refused to you know succumb to that because my mother was diabetic for 15 years and seven years on insulin and i said that's not the life i wanted to live and so i decided to you know i like to say i, I became scientific and i went to google and googled reversing diabetes <laughs> all, very
1: cool yeah you, you have to be your own doctor sometimes
2: <laughs> you know all of this information came up and i was able to connect to some with some doctors i flew down to see one in ohio and that doctor Uh, gave me information about my diet. And he said, listen, if you you change your diet, you're going to reverse your diabetes. And I returned to the city. I cleaned out my cupboard. Nothing healthy was in my cupboard. Everything was processed. And I started to go on a whole food, plant-based diet. And within three weeks, my eyesight cleared up. Wow. My vision loss went away. Three months later, my nerve damage went away. My ulcer went away. Uh, my cholesterol normalized. My PSA normalized. My, my I just lost my dad at that time. The prostate cancer, that normalized. My mother then followed me, 80 years old. She went on a whole food plant-based diet after being wow. an insulin. And diabetic for 15 years. And two months, she got off her insulin. What? Two That's amazing.
1: Months- that is amazing.
0: That's the power no, of plants. like...
2: <laughs> wow. And, and so and so when I started to dig into this, I said, wait a minute, all of our seniors are, are losing their kidneys and going on kidney dialysis. Kidney disease doesn't run in our community. It's not in our DNA. It's our no. dinner that's causing this. And going blind, losing amputation, the number one cause of non-trauma amputation is diabetes. You know, exactly. the number one cause of all of these issues. And so we went on this pursuit, and I started to do an analysis and watch what we're feeding. We're feeding our people food that is causing their crises in the first place. No Absolutely. matter where you go, yeah. and you, know the, you know the deep part of this? The food we eat came from the plantation. We're eating. The slave master's food, you know. Mm-hmm. And yeah. He must. The slave master must be saying, "Man, look at look at those negroes." <laughs> you
0: know? It's so insane. <laughs> it's just this, this insane cycle that keeps going around and around I, and I,
1: around. I, 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 and I'm noticing, like, even during this insane time, that like all of a sudden I'm seeing more and more fast food commercials. There's no commercials like from. I, I know Trader doesn't do commotions, but there's no uh, education. i like, here's what you could do during this time to maybe like work on your health. All I'm seeing is like uh, Popeyes and, and uh, the, you know, McDonald's and all these, like, you know, you can get all this food for $20. You can feed your whole families for 20 bucks. But in the end of the day, this is out of the, after the gates open, we become, have be normalized. We're not going to be that healthy.
2: There you go. <laughs> well said, well said. Well I don't said. understand. And 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 it's when you think about it. Now we have you cornered, you know, and all your children are going to be able to say, "Love that chicken from Popeyes." You know what oh I'm my saying? God! Brainwashed. Yeah, is, is going on Right now.
1: Yeah, you know? <laughs> it's insane. But and then like you know, if, if they make it too. They making it too reasonable that you know, because our you know everyone's lost their job, so of right. course you know everyone's going to get to go 20 to the cheap piece, food yeah you know well, that's
0: also i wanted because we uh, here we talk a lot about gentrification you know because we're like puerto ricans from born and raised in new york so obviously that's affected us a lot And and it's I feel like that's a part of this, too, because it's like, you know, people are pushed out of their communities and then but they're the ones working at those markets that sell all this organic, healthy, expensive food. But they can't even afford to buy the food at the market that they work at, let alone pay their own rent. So it's like even gentrification sort of like seeps into all this stuff, too. It's really just all
2: this. And you're right. And then there's the arrogance that comes with it. You yeah. know, it, you know, the attitude that comes with it here, you've been here, you're in a supermarket, you, you're stocking the shelves and people want to look down on you and disrespect you. Don't want to come in and be part of the community, but come in and displace your cultural norms. Why are those people making up so much noise on Sunday? Well, that's the church. You know, How about that? Exactly.
0: You know?
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, we talk about that a lot. Like
0: in in neighborhoods like that are like in Bushwick, all the Latin neighborhoods, people are moving in and like calling the cops on the kids playing outside or playing music. But like that's play part dominoes. of our culture. We play dominoes, we play dominoes outside. We had the fire hydrants open. We're in the street. Like that's part of our culture. You can't just go there and then criminalize it. It's it's really mm-hmm. it's and really- that
2: was and, and that was what at the heart of my go to. Go back to Iowa comment was about. Yes. It was about I love you know listen.
0: <laughs> I was like
2: <laughs> <laughs> Finally, finally someone said it. <laughs> you know, because see this is what this is what people were doing. Now you have a countless number of people who come to the city and fit in. Yeah. Right, yeah. But, yeah. but you don't you don't use governmental resources to target people. You know, we, we one of the great restaurants up in Washington Heights. My man um, Fernando Mateo uh, La Marina, excellent place, man. This place was a beautiful place. Um, that was a whole drug strip at one time. He came in, he cleaned it up. He had uh, uh, 300 employees. He spent six million dollars to renovate it. New arrivals came in. They called the police. They got tired of seeing. Um, for folks of color going using this this place for years the police came in and set up roadblocks 10 blocks away from his place and stopped cars from being able to drive down the block. And they destroyed his business, started um, hitting him with citations. He lost the whole business. Some white guy came in and took it's over terrible. the entire business. We, we hear that over and over. Yeah. The Dominican community is being destroyed up in the Washington Heights area. All of those yeah. small clubs, places where people go. Our folks I don't to go to the Hamptons. That no. is No!
0: And you know what's funny? Like now, like ever since this COVID hit us, all those people actually did go back to Idaho and Iowa. (laughs) Like they're not (laughs) even here. Like you left the city you like now they're gone which is kind of <laughs> awesome but i'm like you came here and ruined everything now you're
1: gonna leave <laughs> well that's how tough new yorkers are it's the five of the fittest clearly the new yorkers are safe this, this the new yorkers is home. we're not so going clear. anywhere yeah my block has been really i'm, I'm in Bushwick, so we got little little, little clear here. yeah
0: so you know with that being said i'm wondering how like Do you think this is gonna affect gentrification? Like after when we're supposed to be going back to normal, like is that gonna affect the city and like are things gonna change after this?
2: And 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 what our focus should be now, because first of all, we're in a new norm. The norm that we were used to, uh, it would never be the same. And we're in a new norm, and we need to adjust to that. Um, There's going to be. Uh, some new business opportunities that are going to open, and we need to be ready to engage ourselves in those business opportunities. There's going to be a lot of resources coming from the city, the state, and federal level. What we can't do is allow them to do what they did with the stimulus money. They put stimulus money into businesses, but now when businesses are attempting to apply for that money, they're saying, hey, we ran out. Before that ink was dried on the stimulus bill, they already told the people they wanted to tell. We need to specifically yeah. carve out part of the legislation and the stimulus money for those communities that are hardest hit. That needs to be written into the language. We're gonna look at those communities that were hardest hit, and that is where we're going to ensure we have a rebuilding a process there that's includes the housing. That includes yeah. job training. That that includes educational opportunities. So we need to focus. So the coronavirus didn't discriminate, but our policies and practices did discriminate. And we need to make sure the recovery does not discriminate.
0: Yeah. Well I said. Agree. Well put. Yes. Yeah. This is a moment that we can like reshift society and like really make like th- that's the only silver lining here. Like for for me, when it, what I see happening right now. I wanted to talk a bit, you are a police officer and a captain also, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) (laughs) Capitan. Um, And I heard you once tell us this story about why you became a a police officer. And I wanted wanted you to share that with us.
2: You you know, there was two times in my life where I found myself doing something not because I wanted to, but because I was called to. And I think there's a different uh, interaction um, when you have a calling to do something. And uh, policing was one of those times. Uh, as a child, my brother and I, we were arrested, and the police officers that arrested us in Queens, the 103 precinct, it's the same precinct where Sean Bell was shot and killed. Wow. And the police officers, after we were sitting there, we they, they didn't chase us, they picked us up from school. I was 15 at the time. and. They, while they was filling out the reports, they just said, you feel like a beatdown. And we didn't know what it what they meant. And they took us downstairs to the precinct. And there they you know went to beat us. They kicked us repeatedly in our groin over and over Shit. again. That was the only place that they hit us. And for a week, um, both of us were urinating blood for a week throughout that whole process. Never told my mother until we became adults. And reflection. Wow, really? Right. And I, it, it was fascinating how an incident can impact people differently. Yeah. My brother left that encounter, I still think he suffers from mental health issues because of that. For sure trauma. He left it angry and traumatized and, and what have you. And I'll never forget going to the counselor. Um, part of the of uh, our sentencing was that I had to we had to go to a counselor. And I was just such an angry person at that time in my life that the counselor sat down and spoke to both of us. She told my brother, I want you to come back next week. She says, Eric, you don't even have to bother coming back. You know, she saw it as there was no recovery for me, you know, in that interaction we had. And so later, uh, some years later, a young man uh, was killed named, um, his name escapes me, Uh, but he was shot by a housing cop. What? And the housing cop shot him for no reason at all. He walked up to the car. He saw the cops sitting out front. He asked the cop, he says, officers, are you coming from my apartment? The officer pulled out his gun and shot him and killed Jesus.
0: him.
2: And I was part of an organization called the Black United Front at the time. And the we protested. The officer was found not guilty because they said he had an epileptic seizure. The epileptic board said no such seizure exists, but the judge and the jury still found him not guilty. And the after the trial, um, a few men that I really, I was part of a group called uh, called Black United Front. They came to 13 of us and said, we want you to go into policing um, each one of you. Some went into the Department of Corrections, some went into courts, some went into um, housing police, transit police. NYPD used to be separate departments at one time. And they said, we want y'all to fight from within. And I was, I was like, you know, are you kidding me? You know, these right. are the guys, I was still, listen, at that time, I couldn't hear a police siren without reliving that beating. I couldn't see a police show on TV. I couldn't see a police car. You, cause you know, your mind holds on to things, and those guys, they were smart enough to know, in order for me to get through it, I had to go back in it, and I went into the police department and became a beast, you know, we started 100 Blacks in law enforcement who care, and every day, I used to say to myself, damn, these guys didn't fire me yet? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they not only didn't
0: fire you, they promoted you. <laughs> <laughs>
2: right. You like, what do you mean? Right. I was a straight up hellraiser, you know? You know, I, I, I annoyed myself back then. You know? <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> and, and I continue to just move through and get promoted. Police officer, special assignment, sergeant, lieutenant, captain. And finally, when uh, I became a captain, they said, you know what? It's time to get rid of this guy. Man. And <laughs> they, brought, they, brought, they brought me up on departmental charges. Now, the police department has their own, they have their own court system. And we call it a, hang, a kangaroo court because you really normally plead because you never went in the court. It's already rigged against you. And so we had a, a, a official trial. They brought me on a departmental trial because we had a terrorist threat. And they didn't deploy police in a black and brown community. And I exposed that. And so they brought me up on charges for exposing it. And, yeah, and after the trial, the I was running, I announced that I was retiring to run for Senate and they said, well, you know what? You're not leaving here. We, You're not going to retire. We're firing you. We're going to take your pension. We're not going to let you just get out of here. All that hell you raised. What? And so we had a trial. Yeah, we had a trial. And after the trial, the judge that was making the decision, he says, let me tell you something. I wish I could live in the district so that you could be my state senator. Right uh- then, we knew I was going to be found <laughs> that is oh. so insane I wanted to get your your opinion and you know what no, you know, what it tells you it tells you that the the ancestors in the universe will protect you you just do your job you know you do what yeah. you're supposed yes. to do the ancestors will be there they will protect you I and love people that. don't understand that. And it doesn't mean it doesn't mean, you know, you are you're supposed to get to some destination that you want. It means that you are supposed to do the things that you need to do. And the destiny would take care of itself.
0: Yes, I, I I actually had a quote of yours that you said once. You said being mayor is the destination. The beauty is the journey.
2: That's and right. I, I That's really right. love
0: that. That was like really right, powerful. Right.
2: And we get caught up. We get caught up on the destiny. And so when people come and they tag and they say, Well, you know what? I'll never vote for you for mayor. So what? <laughs> <laughs> You're doing the work
0: anyway. You're doing the work anyway. <laughs> you know, you
2: know yeah, the work is still doing. Yeah. We're um, so focused. We're so focused on the destiny that we miss the moments of the journey. You know? Uh, like I wouldn't know you two ladies. If I wasn't in this journey yeah. right now, oh my god, I'm so, <laughs> you know, so happy you journey, made this part of the journey. Of your
0: journey. Is the victory. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you quickly, um, how like you're really at the the root of all this stuff, you know, like, and how do you remain sane? You know, just in general, everyone's stressed, everyone's anxious with this whole scenario, but you're really like at the forefront of seeing how this affects our communities. So, like, what do you do to remain sane?
2: Mm-hmm. Hmm. I, I like that because, <clears throat> because I was telling my team today, I have a small group of team, like all of my staff, I have about 65 staffers and all of them are operating remotely from home. Uh, okay. But there's about five of them uh, that say, listen, I, I, I don't I want to be in this. You know, they're, they're the spirits that war correspondents are made of. They want to be on the ground because the battle is different if you are a Marine, or if you in the air force you know when you're a marine you're seeing it real i see the soil mask of nurses that wore a mask for a week i see you know what it is when i knock on a night your door and see people inside that didn't get any food when you on the ground it's different and what you absorb on the ground actually becomes part of your permanent registry and you can e- it either can um, break your spirit and your soul or if you use it and say that I'm here to alleviate the pain people feel, it can uplift your spirit and soul. And you all of a sudden, out of all of this madness, you find purpose. And that purpose is more driven than the pain. And mama said to me long ago, son, if you're fortunate to live long enough, you're gonna be misfortunate to experience pain. So you need to learn how to turn pain into purpose. And where I am right now, I am turning all this pain into purpose. I'm energized when I go into NYCHA and hand out masks to NYCHA residents. I'm energized when I deliver food to first responders. I'm energized when I'm at the train station and seeing only black and brown people coming out of the train station to go to a supermarket and fill the show. And they see me there and hear that I'm saying that you matter. All of that energy, I'm absorbing. And yeah. that is why I don't see the anxiety of this. Mm-hmm. I see that this is a this is a purposeful moment, and I, I think you know the Creator blessed us yeah to be able to be around right now that we can help people while they're at their darkest moment. And imagine going through life and you don't have moments like this. I'm so right. happy to be engaged in this right now. This is what it's all about. You know? Yeah,
0: we're lucky to have people like you out there doing the work. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. You be, you, after, honestly, you become a soldier with all this, and I've I've been watching you, and I'm really excited to. Uh, I'm actually I'm excited. I'm gonna vote for you. You have my vote already. You have <laughs> our vote. You have our vote. If me. To, if you need me to stuff an envelope, I'm here.
2: <laughs> Let us know how we can help you on your journey. That's the second calling. That's the second, I said there was two callings. Mm-hmm. Second calling is running for mayor. Yep. Yeah. We're in a bad place. We're yeah. in a bad place and yeah, we, we, we don't need someone who just has political aspirations no, you know, the city not. is hurting so bad and we're in a challenging time and if you're not really committed dedicated and smart enough to make this city function we should not have been caught flat-footed with coronavirus we should not have uh, you know a, a dual hospital system where some get health care and others get sick care all our children can learn. We should have access to quality education. We should be feeding people healthy food in our jails, in our hospitals, in our schools, in our, our senior centers. We need to change what we are doing. It is broken, and so maybe God said to us that, "Listen, it's time to tear this down so we can build yeah. it back up yeah. correctly." This I, may I, be I our really Noah off moment. Yeah, right. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah, and is it all us? I think we, we, we're we
1: recalibrating. Yeah. <laughs> right.
2: Right, 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 right. Well said. We may have reached a Solomon and Gomorrah period in our lives and sometimes the Savior comes in and change everything around. Oh yeah. Gotta flow with it
0: oh my god well everyone listening eric Adams is gonna be running for mayor next year vote for his ass <laughs> i wanna I wanna thank you so much for joining us thank this you. really means a lot to us you thank know a, a lot of times you everything you're doing a lot of times like we are not really seen by the world at large and and let alone our representatives so you being here really means a lot to us and to our listeners thank you so so much for your time thank here. you thank
2: you what you're doing we're partners in this you know you're serving a vital role of getting information out and we cannot thank you enough podcasts will change the globe because now people are listening on a grander level i appreciate you both yeah
0: we believe that thank so you. much thank you we so much you. and good thank
1: luck you. and you. be safe out there <laughs> Fire. yes be safe <laughs> again if you give me the stuff I envelope i'm here for you we're here <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh my god well Thank everyone you. that was eric adams you heard it from him that first eric. that was great so inspiring
1: so great i'm really looking forward to seeing what he's gonna do in the city i think it's gonna it's yeah. so inspirational uh i even just talking about the food thing that hit me close to home because you know i lost my father to you know diabetes and he went through the whole he did all the medication the doctors told him to do yeah and i if, if he would have had the the mojo to di- do the, the the internet and like you know really research he probably would still be with us you know and 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 hearing that from him uh, was eye opening especially if you're a, 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 a person of a certain age too cuz you know we get stubborn sometimes and he know he changed his he yeah. shifted his whole life um, and that was something good to hear yeah, we were talking
0: about earlier how it's also, like, embedded in our communities. Like, as people of color, we have... There's this, like, sort of... I don't know. I feel like it's also attached to this machismo where, you know, there's all this branding of, like, eat meat, eat steak, eat this way. You have to be a tough, tough person. And then, like, you know, Latin people, we're just, like... our fr- the, the fridge is just always stocked with meats and, like, you know, it's oh, just, girl. like... And then it's also convenience when you have a large family and your your income is at a certain Absolutely. level it's easier to buy in bulk and just like you know not really focus on eating well but um, there are ways and I think it's important to put that information out there and that's what I love about Eric who's actually getting that really important detail you know like he gets me excited about politics like, like a little me like too. AOC like they're, they're, like yeah. I never was in like politics until like AOC came around and now he's also like elevating me in another way to like also do my part
1: i honestly i it's exciting i i feel like the i feel like the what happened in 2016 has shifted the way i feel as well like i hate what happens and i'm hearing voices that we that uh that uh came out of that frustration and anger and and We're I think we're at a place where we're hearing newer voices and they're being heard and and we're listening and it's refreshing and I'm all for it. I'm all for it. I'm here. I'm like I whoever who is just trying to push people in a positive path and calling out motherfuckers too at the same time. And yeah, that's what I like about Eric. sorry that's
0: what i like about eric he talks about the. he says the things that people aren't saying you know all the under like when the surgeon general was on tv talking to black and brown communities talking like gibberish and it's just like you're not acknowledging the fact that these are the essential workers that are the ones in the front lines that the one that are the ones packed on the subways they're the ones that are not protected at the supermarkets who are more at risk. you know, it's not just because we're what, drinking and smoking and, like, you know, visiting our mom moms and pop- pops, like
1: no, I know. And there was a lot of irresponsibility that happened uh prior to like during the uh, you know when things that finally started closing it, even for myself i it took forever for the company i work for to finally say okay it's time for you to stay home i'm st- i'm at that point there was no one else to det- like it was just me essential workers i'm an essential worker i fucking design bathing suits um <laughs> but i felt like you know and it was like me essential workers like and homeless people and uh, unfortunately people that were you know using freely i was like all right fuck it but um, <laughs> yeah, we're back but, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're okay but but it came to a point where um i didn't feel uh you know they didn't give a fuck about how, how about me and how i was gonna get No, to work yeah that's what like, was actually
0: work. annoying me about that situation too i'm like why are you still going to work like that's putting you at risk yeah. for what to design but a bathing suit for this company that doesn't care suit. about you in the first place like
1: not at all and have they contacted me since are you okay how are you doing no so this is why everyone's going to shift their shit when the gates go down. We can have to see, uh, you know, if, if we have the option, more options to uh, shift gears and, and if these companies end up opening up again and if you have other opportunities to be in an environment that they give a shit about you, take that opportunity. You might have to take a pay cut, whatever it may be. Like, I think I value uh, uh, companies that actually care mm-hmm. uh, rather than a check at this point. Um, uh, but I, I honestly, I got sick well, in the end. Of the day, yeah, I did. I got sick. I, I definitely got sick. I couldn't get tested. Um, um, I'm sure it was from me still traveling to the city. Of course. Yeah. You know, like, but do they know that I got sick? No. Did I, was that going to be petty? I was like, Hey guys, I actually got sick. You dumb. you like you, you know, say inconsiderate. it, say it, say it. You, <laughs> You assholes, you like inconsiderate <laughs> cocksuckers. <laughs> well, so yeah. I'm
0: excited that we have people like Eric who are out there, you know, advocating and for to affect change because now is the time for all of us to do our part to call out the system, to vote for the right people, not just for our bank accounts. Because we exactly. see at the end of the day, regardless of money, the people that really suffer are the minority so we have to like get together we have to do our part and we have to make a change and i'm i'm glad he was here to talk to us and to our listeners and i want to thank everyone for tuning in
1: thank you so much guys uh
0: don't forget to subscribe to us tell your friends about us um retweet us do all the things stalk us on instagram send us love Love letters i love a love letter i love a love letter you know we need we need need pen pals here um, yes. and tune in Thursday night where we're going to talk to finally Amanda Lepore, who's been a Amanda busy gal.
1: Lepore. She's I mean, busy is-
0: even in the quarantine. I'm like, girl, you're booked in so quarantine. So booked. She's still Books. booked. Okay. So next Thursday, <laughs> uh, supposedly she's coming on to talk about her perspective on all this. And I want to, I want to know what she's been up to and how she's maintaining Hello. her beauty re- regime. You know what I'm saying? How yeah, she's how keeping she- her body tight. Thin. Yeah. yeah.
1: I'm like I'm I'm holding on to dear life in this corner over here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, y'all. Well, that is our show, and we will see you on Thursday night. Thursday be safe. night. Where's
1: Wear something nice. Take care. Put something comfortable on and be blessed. <laughs> Thank you, Eric. <laughs>